This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Uh, if you would, would you turn with me to uh, the 10th chapter of Matthew? Uh, that's where the text comes from today. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. And we'll read the first eight verses. So Matthew 10, verse 1. Would you stand? <laughs> and when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, for freely you have received, freely give. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we... Look to you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit guides us into all truth. And that it's present here with us. Lord, we want to acknowledge your presence here with us, in us, among us. And Lord, may our Attention be focused upon you. I ask that you enable me to speak the message you desire to be delivered. I pray, Lord, for clarity. I pray for accuracy so that you are represented correctly. And I ask that you open all of our ears to hear what you are speaking to us. Make us sensitive to your voice, we pray. We ask these things in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen. You can be seated. Last week we... um, focused uh, on the compassion of Jesus. Of course, uh, we, we, we're seeing example after example of uh, Jesus' compassion for people in need. It's displayed in demonstrations of His power. And we've said several times as we've been going through this section, uh, 
primarily chapters 8 through 10, that Matthew's focus, Matthew, the, the author of this, uh, of this gospel, Matthew's focus here is, is on the authority of Christ. He's, he's showing through the examples that he's presenting to us that Christ is supreme over all. He, he demonstrates it in, in the healing of diseases. For example, he, he uh, touches Peter's mother-in-law and immediately she's healed of a fever. Touches a leper and says, be clean, and immediately the leper is cleansed. He gives us examples like that of his power over sickness and disease. He demonstrates his authority over demons by speaking to them, commanding them to come out of individuals, and immediately they obey. Demons, legion, a legion of demons ask permission of Christ to enter a herd of swine and cannot do so until He gives His consent. He has power over sickness and disease. He has power and authority over demonic beings. He has power over nature. Forces, what we think of as the forces, the forces of nature, so that on the sea, when they're caught in a in a sudden and terrible storm, Jesus, once he's awakened by the disciples, speaks to the wind and the waves, commanding them to cease and be still, and immediately they obey. And in in the process of doing all this, Matthew showing us the absolute power and authority of Jesus and, and emphasizing that. In the process of doing all that, he's at the same time revealing to us the compassion of Christ. In other words, are, are these things simply displays of power, just emotionless displays of power to show that he can stop? The wind and the waves to show that He can command demons, to show that He is able to make someone whole who has been stricken by a terrible disease or some sort of physical infirmity. No, He's doing these things, yes, with that end in view, but also because He is moved with compassion for the people who are suffering due to these things. Matthew says in verse 36 of chapter 9, when Jesus saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion for them because they were weary, harassed, some versions say, and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Well, today we're going to focus a little more on the compassion of Jesus' followers. It's, it's interesting. Christ comes with this kind of dis- display of power and authority and compassion for people in need, primarily spiritual need. And then He communicates this to His disciples. It's, it's a way of, uh, what we see here today, a way of saying, go and do likewise. 
he calls them to do the same thing. So to, today we're looking at the, com, the compassion, compassionate workers, the compassion of the followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ, and how that, how that plays out um, here in this account, chapter 10. Just a few things to notice here. First of all, they're, they're called. That is, people who, who are doing the work of Christ are called. Verse 1. When He had called His twelve disciples, or the twelve. And, and notice here, Matthew refers to them first as the disciples. That word just means a, a, a learner. So it's, it's applicable to any, any follower of Christ. And you see it used that way. Uh, a lot of times when we say the disciples, we, we specifically mean these men, the twelve. Um, but it's in, in the New Testament, it's used uh, sometimes with a, with a, uh, a narrow uh, application, sometimes with a very wide application. In other words, all those who are following Him and listening to Him. So Matthew first refers to them as disciples, and then uh, in verse 2, as apostles. We'll come back to that in a moment. When he had called the twelve, these were men who were called, and we've already seen this, hadn't we? We've, we've, as we've gone through the book of Matthew uh, from chapter one to now, we, we've, we've witnessed this through the eyes of Matthew. In fact, we have his own account of his own calling. They're called, or literally, the word here is called to. They're called to something. We've talked about that from time to time. Jesus, when Jesus calls a sinner, and that's any one of us because we're all sinners. <laughs> when, when Jesus calls a sinner, He, he calls them out of, out of the world, out of a life lived for the glory of self. And He calls them to a life devoted to following Him, to learning from Him to becoming like Him, and to doing His work. When He had called His disciples. He, these are men called to Him. Let me, let me just give you a little uh, kind of cross-reference here that I think will help make this applicable to us because in Matthew 10, He is specifically referring to the twelve. But this is true of all Christians. Uh, so, for example, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul here uh, in, this, in this letter is addressing the church at Corinth. He's talking to all the believers at Corinth. And he addresses them in verse 1 as the called. Or, 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 I'm sorry, refers to himself in verse 1 as the called. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother. To the church of God, 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus Called to be saints. He says, to the, to the church, to the people, to the congregation. You're called of God to be saints, to be holy ones, to be set apart, holy unto the Lord. And then, it's just saturated with that kind of language. You jump down, I'm still in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, just go down a, a few verses. Verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son. 
How does one get into the church? The church. The church of God. The body of Christ. You're called. How do you, how do you come into fellowship with the Son of God? You're called. Verse 9. You're called into the fellowship of His Son. You're called to something. You're called out of something and you're called into something. Again, uh, 1 Corinthians 1. 1. Uh, I'm sorry, 1, verse 23. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, uh, to the Greek, foolishness. And by the way, uh, Paul's putting emphasis here on the gospel message. We're going to talk about that as well, Matthew 10. Verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So he's saying the message, Christ crucified, is a stumbling block for the Jews and it's foolishness to the Greeks, but to those who are called, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then, if, if by now you're, you're, you're thinking about your own calling and you're beginning to get puffed up and thinking, boy, I must be something for God to call me. Look at verse 26. For you see, you're calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. <laughs> Paul, Paul says, look around you. What's important is that you're called. And you weren't called because of who you are. You weren't called because of your own ability. Look around you, he says. Not many, you, you won't see in the congregation many wise, many noble Because God chose foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen. Notice the use of the word chosen. God has chosen the foolish things. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You're called, Paul says. You're chosen. You're you're called to be saints, to be holy ones, set apart for the glory of God. You're called into fellowship with His Son. That is, you become a a partaker of the divine blessings through the Gospel message. The message Christ crucified for sinners. The message through which God chose to save those who believe. Your call, the gospel, the gospel message itself is a call. They were called. These men were called. Called by Christ. Singled out. Called to something. So they were also commissioned. We're going to see here. They're, they're, they're called to Christ. And now uh, they're commissioned. First, Matthew lists the names of them here, verse, verse uh, 2 through 4. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter. And by the way, keep, keep Paul's words in mind here from uh, 1 Corinthians when he says, uh, not many wise, not many noble. Because <laughs> that's exactly what we see in this list. Not many wise, not many noble. Peter, Simon Peter. Um, I believe in every case uh, of, the, of, of the list of the apostles, he's put first. He's, that's not an accident. Uh, he was definitely a, a lead man among the apostles. 
Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Verse 3, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. And again, notice, notice how they're, they're paired up here. Um, Mark tells us they, they were sent out in pairs, and that may be the reason behind uh, the pairing here. But in the other accounts, um, Thomas and Matthew, the, the order is re- reversed uh, so that it would seem to give, uh, among the two, it would seem to give Matthew the preeminence. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because I, I want you to notice here, I think this is purpose, purposely uh, done here um, due to Matthew's humility. He, he, first of all, he, in, in this pair, he puts himself second, Thomas and Matthew. And then he doesn't just refer to himself as Matthew, he refers to himself as Matthew the publican, Matthew the tax collector. Matthew, the sinner. Matthew, the tax collector. That's not, that's not a, a highly esteemed title among the Jews. <laughs> the tax collector. That's not a, not a favorable position. So he, he mentions that when he mentions himself. James, the son of Alphaeus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanite. And Judas, Iscariot who also betrayed him. These are the men who, who Jesus called and now is commissioning. That is, He's sending them. So let me go back just for a moment uh, to, to the designation Matthew uses in verse 2. Remember in verse 1, He says, He called His twelve disciples to Him. Now, and then in verse 2, He says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. So first, He, he, he refers to them as disciples. That is, they're learners. And as I said earlier, that's, that's a... That's a, a name that applies to all who were following uh, and learning from Christ. And then in verse 2, he refers to them as apostles. Now, that's, that's more unique. It, it can have a broad meaning. Uh, the, the word literally just, just means sent ones. But when it refers to the twelve, it's, it's a unique position. These are the... You, you might... Uh, you, you could... Uh, communicate the idea, the, the distinction, the uniqueness of their role uh, by capitalizing it. The capital A apostles, the twelve. So he says they're disciples and they're apostles. They're ones sent, and and we're going to see that uh, in this passage. This is what Jesus is doing now in commissioning them. He's sending them out. He's called them to, first of all, himself. Right. He, he calls us out of the world, out of darkness, into light. That is, He calls us to Himself. Come to Christ. It's a good picture of it in, in calling Lazarus from the tomb. He calls Him out from among the dead. Lazarus, come forth. And that's what happens in every case. Matthew, follow me. Come forth. Bartholomew, come. Thomas, Come. Andrew, come. Bill, come. Judy, come. What, whatever the case is. Jesus calls. Very personal in His calling. He calls individuals out of spiritual death to spiritual life. He gives life to the dead. And, as we're going to see here in this passage today, He calls 
them to His work. So now they're joining in the labor of the kingdom. He's calling them to work. He's, he's going to send them out. That's why, again, that's the meaning of the term apostles in, in verse 2, the sent ones. And then in verse 5, you get the verb form of that, uh, that word, G, the twelve Jesus sent. He sent out. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, in other words, anybody that's not a Jew, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans. The Samaritans were, were half-breeds um, uh, from Jews who had, uh, who had intermarried with Gentiles. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, um, I'm, I'm just going to mention this here. I want to I deal with this more later, not, not today. The gospel goes to the Jew first. And then to the Gentile. That's the pattern throughout the New Testament. And we're seeing it for the first time here. Uh, well, for the first time in Jesus' ministry, and now uh, for the first time as far as his followers, we're seeing it here. He strictly commands them, you go just to the lost house of Israel. Now, in- interestingly enough, though, when you get down to verse uh, 16, he begins to talk about they're going out among the nations. And as I said... Lord willing, we'll deal with that later. But right now in this account, He's commanding them to go strictly to the Jews. And what are they to do? Verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Does that sound familiar? Uh, And I inadvertently skipped verse 7. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So He's telling them you're going to go preach the kingdom of heaven, you're going to heal the sick, Cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This is exactly what Jesus has been doing. In fact, you go back again to chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. So Jesus himself is is doing what? He's he's teaching, preaching, and healing. Or as we said uh, before, he's, he's going about teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. In other words, that's that's descriptive. What what's he teaching in the synagogues? The gospel of the kingdom. Preaching the gospel. And he's also healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Why? Because he has compassion upon them. Because when he looks at the multitudes, he sees people that are like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed. Harassed by Satan. By sin. Lives given to self. And he's moved with compassion and the result is giving them the truth, preaching the kingdom, and healing their infirmities. 
And then as we noted last week in verse 37, chapter 9, verse 37, he then instructs his disciples to pray. First, he gives them his assessment of the situation, talking about the multitudes. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's, you know what he's saying? There are, you look around in the world and there are a lot of problems. There's a lot of need. There are a lot of people who need help. The harvest is plentiful. It, it's, it's full. There's not a shortage of need in the world. So there's his assessment. The harvest is truly plentiful. But here's the problem. The laborers are few. There's not many workers in the harvest. A whole lot of need. Not enough workers to meet the need. So he gives this instruction to his disciples in verse 38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, the reason I brought this up again is this. Uh, because you get to verse 1 of chapter 10, and this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He, he is the Lord of the harvest. And now, what does He do? Send out laborers. He's just told the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, laborers are few, so here's what you need to do. And we, we talked about that last week. We need, as the people of God, number one, to work. We need to labor. That's, that's part of what we're called to. We're called to join Jesus in gospel labor. As God gives us and empowers us. We saw this morning in Sunday school. We don't, we don't do it out of the flesh. Uh, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Nothing. But in Christ, you remain in Christ, John says in John 15. Jesus says in John 15. In Christ, you remain in Christ and you bear much fruit and glorify God. So Jesus says the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So now He, as the Lord of the harvest, sends out laborers. He calls the twelve to Himself and He commissions them to do the same thing that He's been doing. Number one, preach. Preach the truth. You preach the gospel. Again, chapter 9, verse 35, what is, what is Jesus teaching in the synagogues? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And this is exactly what he's been doing all the way through uh, Matthew, isn't it? This is the pattern. This is the New Testament pattern. First, John the Baptist comes on the scene doing what? Preaching the gospel, right? He, John the Baptist comes along and he's, he's, uh, he's, he's preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus comes on the scene after His baptism. He begins His ministry. And He goes about preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now He's sending out the twelve and He's telling them, preach the gospel of the kingdom. Preach the nearness of the kingdom. The kingdom has come. Christ has come. Preach repentance and belief of the gospel. As you go, 
verse 7, as you go, preach. That is, proclaim. Herald. Herald saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is the most important um, need to be met. The knowledge of the truth. Now, as I said a while ago, there's, there's, there's no shortage of needs out there. And you go through the Gospels and you, and you see people with terrible diseases like leprosy. Terrible afflictions like demon possession. Terrible uh, spiritual needs. Remember the, the paralytic that they brought to, to Jesus and uh, first Jesus dealt with his sin. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Spiritual need is first and foremost. I mean, that's the primary need. That's the primary need. If, if you fix somebody's body, and in the end they leave this world without Christ, they may have had a good life here, but they spend an eternity in hell, separated from God. The primary need is the need for salvation. The primary need is spiritual in nature. So first and foremost, they preach, they preach the kingdom. They preach the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Paul, in the passage we were just in, in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul sums it up this way. Christ and Him crucified. That's, that's the gospel message in a nutshell. Paul says, this is what I preach. This is where my focus is. The Jews say it's, it's a stumbling block for them. They, they, they don't see the Messiah as being one who suffers and dies at the hands of Gentiles. They have a problem with that. It's a stumbling block. The very idea of the Son of God taking on flesh and coming to the earth as a man was a problem for them, Paul says. It's a stumbling block for the Jews. And to the Greeks, the nations, it's foolishness. It, it hasn't changed. It's the, same, it's the same in our day. Generally speaking, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to the rest of the world, it's, it's utter foolishness. For a man to come and die, be crucified for the sins of others. And yet, Paul says, that's the gospel. And here's the encouragement. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, to those who are called, it's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. Paul says in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. So first and foremost, the biggest need out there is spiritual in nature. So they go preaching the gospel just like Jesus went preaching. And, verse 8, He commands them, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. You preach. You heal. Cleanse. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. So you don't just 
minister to the physical need. The, the physical need is, is primary. Uh, I'm sorry, the spiritual need is primary. But you don't just minister to the to the spiritual. You you minister to their physical needs as well. Now, um, you might say, well, there's a little bit of a problem here. We we see clearly that Jesus has given them authority to do this. It's in verse one. He gave them power. That, that word there literally is authority. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. In other words, He gave them authority to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. He gave them authority to heal all kinds of disease. And the word heal there is the word uh, from which we get our word therapy. So they minister to the spiritual and they minister to the physical. But you may be saying, um, I don't have the power to heal sicknesses and disease. I don't have the power to cast out demons. Well, uh, I, I would just answer this way. Um, our responsibility is to focus on those needs and serve people in whatever way God provides for us to do that including miraculous healing, if God wills it. That's entirely up to Him. But there are other things we know we can do, right? Someone is hungry, you feed them. They're naked, you clothe them. You minister to their spiritual needs and also to their physical needs. What Jesus is calling for here is the same kind of compassion that he himself has. He looks at the world and he sees people in need. And, and he, doesn't just, he doesn't just shake his head and say, well, you know what? They brought it on their self. They know better. They made their bed. Now they can lie in it. That may even be true. In fact, I would suggest that it is. I mean, that's sin. We're, we're sinners. Our, our biggest problem is ourself. But that's not the way Jesus responds. He's, he responds with compassion. He's moved, Matthew tells us, to his bowels. That is deep, deeply moved because of the hurting, because of the need that He's witnessing. Sometimes moved to tears, like in John 11, when He's at the wake of Lazarus. Or when He looks over Jerusalem and contemplates their unbelief. He's moved to tears. He has compassion on the people. You remember the compassion of Jonah? <laughs> when he sat in the sun and God raised up a gourd to cover his head from the sun and then God sent a worm, killed the gourd. And boy, Jonah had compassion. For the gourd, 
which really just meant he had compassion for himself because he was exposed to the elements. But as far as the people in Nineveh, Jonah was ready to let them burn. That's what they deserve. They're unbelievers. They're rebels. Well, he wasn't commended by the Lord for having that attitude. He was rebuked. And James and John, sons of thunder, brothers, they were ready to call fire down from heaven at one point on the Samaritans because they didn't want to listen to Jesus, receive Jesus. And Jesus sharply rebuked them as well and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Jesus had compassion, and this is what He's commissioning the twelve to do here. Go and do something about the situation. The harvest is plentiful. What we need is committed workers who will go out and do something. Not just anything. Not just, not just do something to be busy. But serve their needs, meet their needs, and carry the gospel. Preach the gospel of the kingdom to them. Do some therapy. And I don't mean sit them down on a couch <laughs> and ask a bunch of questions and show them ink blots. I mean the kind of therapy he's talking about here. Ministering to physical needs in whatever way God provides. God provides resources for His workers. It's not always the way we think he ought to, but he he does provide what is really needed. So Jesus is calling for that kind of compassion, the same kind of compassion that he has. Here's what I want you to do. The harvest is plentiful. There's much need out there. Now go. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. And then lastly, a command. They were called, they were commissioned, and they were commanded, verse 8, to give freely. Freely you have received. Isn't it interesting, isn't it, that Jesus would, would um, bring that to their remembrance? Instead of just saying, Go. Now go. Go and give freely. He, he reminds them. Don't, don't forget. <laughs> don't forget you received freely. Like Paul says, look around you. Not many wise. Not many noble. None deserving. Not not one. You were called. You were called not because of something within you that God saw and was pleased with and said, My, my, look look at that man. Look at that woman. I, I've got to have them in my service. They they can do me a lot of good. No, that's not that's not why he called you. He called you in spite of the fact that you have no ability, that you 
spiritually speaking, you have, you have nothing to offer him or to bring to the table as far as working in his kingdom is concerned. He's called us in spite of who we are. In spite of the fact that we're tax collectors and rebels, ignorant fishermen, or whatever the case. The twelve is a diverse group. But one thing they had in common, they were essentially useless for what Jesus called them to do in and of themselves. So He wants them to remember that. Freely you have received. You didn't, you didn't pay for what you got. You didn't buy a ticket in to the kingdom. It was free. It was, your, your way's been purchased. And, and you've not added a thing to it. You have received freely. So now, Jesus says, that's, that's how I want you to give. I want you to give freely. I don't, I don't want you expecting something in return. I don't want you, I don't want you judging uh, people's character, uh, you know, using that. Obviously, you, you, can, you, you have to judge people's character to a certain extent. I mean, you look at people and you can see their lives and you see what goes on. But you don't use that as criteria. Well, am I going to help this person or not help this person? Jesus Himself said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I didn't come for the well. I came for those who are sick. Those who can't pay. And know they can't pay. Give to them freely. Freely. Take the, take the Gospel. Be, be indiscriminate in, in spreading the seed. Take the Gospel to every creature. Don't limit it to certain ethnic groups. You say, well, Jesus is doing that here. Yes, for a time. We're going to see as we move on. That changes. You don't limit it to certain ethnic groups. You don't limit it to certain classes of society. People you like or people you dislike. You give freely. You give freely. The mercy that is received, we now are commissioned, uh, indeed commanded, to give. And it will help us to do that if we remember how we received, where we came from. Matthew Henry makes this comment on this verse. It is good for those who are advanced to honor with Christ to look unto the rock whence they were hewn, often to remember what they were before Christ called them, and thereby they may be kept humble and divine grace may be the more glorified. That's what Matthew does, isn't it? In verse 3, <laughs> when he mentions himself, 
Matthew the tax collector. We're called. We're called out of something, out of sin, out of darkness, out of a life devoted to self, into something. Called to be saints, Paul says. As you're called to be holy, set apart for God's use, for God's purposes, for God's work. And you're commissioned to go and do what Jesus did. Carry the gospel. Carry the gospel into the world. As you go, preach. That is, proclaim. Proclaim the good news. Christ crucified. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Take the message of the gospel to the world. And have the compassion of Jesus and demonstrate it by serving people. Notice, that's the focus here. He doesn't command them, look, go, go build elaborate buildings. Go start great organizations. <laughs> Get your name out there. Be known. No, He says, you go serve people. That's the kind of therapy he's talking about in this word heal. It means to serve. You serve people. You meet their spiritual needs and you meet their physical needs. Use the resources that God is supplying to serve people. And you do it freely, remembering that that's how, you, that's how you received. That's how you were called. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Where were you when God called you? Where were you when the Lord found you? Were you good? Were you doing good? Were you deserving of His call? Are you now deserving of the riches of the blessings that we know in Christ? Do you deserve to be a child of the King? Do you deserve to be a citizen of the kingdom and a recipient of a kingdom that's not perishable, incorruptible? No, we receive freely, freely, freely. So he says, that's the way I want you to go. That's the way I want you to minister. Freely. That's the compassionate worker, laborer. That's how we need to go into the field. That's what we've been called to do. That's what we've been commissioned to do. That's what we've been commanded to do. Get in the harvest and work. And do it out of love for those in need. Would you stand? We're just going to close with a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Um, just a quick reminder. At the uh, singing today at 4 o'clock.
I hope you can be here for that and then a time of fellowship afterwards. Um, it's always a blessing. So hope you can join us for that. Let's pray. Uh, Brother Ron, would you mind leading us in a word of prayer? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation, which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.